Come on down for the NXT TakeOver Brooklyn. It's Rob, Mike, Jay, and Tatiana talk about the event on Saturday, August 22nd. So, today Tatiana and I went to NXT TakeOver Brooklyn in Brooklyn yesterday. And uh, we enjoyed the show quite a bit. So um, I want you to introduce yourselves. And we have Mike on here as well, who did not attend the event, but he did yep. watch it live on TV. Thanks, guys, for the ticket. It was fun to watch it by myself in my living room. <laughs> hey, listen. Well, anyway, I'm Shade. I'm Tatiana. And you guys went to the show. Yes, we did. It. So <laughs> Shade... Shade obviously, uh, Shade does watch WWE and NXT and all other wrestling events with me whenever we're watching stuff. So Tatiana is a little bit new to some of these things, so she has a quite of a different perspective on everything. And then Mike and I obviously watch it as much as we possibly can. So why don't we just run down the card real quick to go over our quick thoughts and observations of the show. Well, I have a quick question for Tatiana. So being someone who's new to the product, kind of what makes certain wrestlers or divas stand out to you? Um, I liked, well, in the women's match, I liked that a lot because it seemed like it was an actual wrestling match and it wasn't just here's two girls fighting in a ring, um, but it seemed like they were actually wrestling and it was... It was similar to a really good men's events that I've seen. Um, and I like that Stephanie McMahon came out before to introduce it because it, it elevated it. For me, it elevated it and made it seem like it was more important. Now, I have a question about that. Do you think it would have been even more interesting and elevated if Triple H came out and said that instead of Stephanie McMahon? Well, why no. would you say I don't think so. I think it was better that Stephanie McMahon did it. One, because she's a woman. Two, she's Vince McMahon's daughter. Um, mm -hmm. So I think it was in a kind of a good thing of solidarity for her as a woman to come out and introduce women wrestlers. Interesting, because I felt I felt the other way. I felt that Triple H should have done it, because then it legitimizes it for the men to be like, "Hey, we should check this out," because it's not saying that you know. Everyone thinks this way, but I mean, you heard the crowd being in there. Most right. of those guys are stupid. Right. So if you have somebody like <laughs> Triple H coming out and saying, like, "Hey, you guys have to check out these women wrestlers, as they're going to do exactly as we do it, or we they do it better than we do," right. rather than Stephanie McMahon coming out and just spewing, you know, like what sounds like just like, "Oh, it's women power," and you know, all that other stuff. Like for me, it felt like it was her trying to fit in with the the group when Triple H would be an authority figure for men and women for wrestling fans in general. Yeah, I, I see that point, but for Stephanie McMahon is, you know, in a position of a lot of power in WWE, so I right. think that in itself, too, is, is, is good for her to come out and introduce them because she's also trying to... For me, it was like, I'm in this position of power, but, like, I see the benefit and what these women and all the hard work that they're trying to do to grow in this organization. Cool. 
It's, and it makes a statement to have Stephanie McMahon and not Blue Pants do the announcement. So. <laughs> right, right. Or the other participants of the Bad Club. <laughs> of the what club? The Bad, isn't it B-A-D? What is it? Uh, oh. Bad and Beautiful? Or what? Dangerous? Yeah, Team Bad. Team Bad, yeah. I like the Bad Club, though. <laughs> bad yeah, Club. Yeah. <laughs> Bullet Club and Bad. <laughs> Got it. She was watching some New Japan with us before, so she has Bullet Club on the on the brain. Wow, that's fair. Bullet yeah. Club on the brain. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, just to sort of go off with um, Mick's question about like what sort of like entices you to like you know certain or particular wrestlers, like aside from the women's wrestling, I know like you're like a Finn Balor fan. Like, what about? it makes it interesting for you. Even Kevin Owens, I know that you're really interested in him also. I like their story. I like, well, for Finn, I like his story. He seems to have a really legitimate, like, background story um, where he tried really... The same thing with The Miz, why I find The Miz so interesting because I remember watching The Real World and him talking about wanting to be a wrestler on when it was WWF then um, and to see him now as on the main roster. It's just that kind of story is interesting. Mm-hmm. I think the most interesting thing about Finn Balor outside of his entrance is the fact that he wears polos and buttons the top button. <laughs> <laughs> that just bothers me. That <laughs> bothers me. It's a bit tight on the neck. Yeah. It makes me feel stuffy and weird and uncomfortable. Just uh, do you think do you think he wears that normally or is it just that like he got you know, he dried it a little too much one day and now he's stuck with it? Well, then how would he get it over his head? <laughs> He's got it's a button in order to fit. It's interesting that he wears stuffy polos buttoned up to the top when... Because I, I didn't know that. And compared to <laughs> his wrestling persona, it seems very the opposite of what I would think. Oh, if right. you think the stuffy polos are weird, you should see him collecting his Legos and building all those sets. I so that's awesome. I saw that, which makes him more interesting as a character. Like, I want to see his matches, and I want to see more of his New Japan stuff and like his stuff now in NXT. Um, because because of all you that. like are like, can you feel connected with him? Yeah, he because he's just a normal human. They did a good job because I know when I was watching with you guys a bunch of stuff, they had these long kind of, I don't know what they're called, promos or whatever they are, um, of interviews with him and, and people that he knows and that kind of stuff and his outside-of-the-ring personality, which makes him seem more like just a regular person. Yeah, like, he, seems, he seems like an introvert that, you know, he's just really good at what he does, so but he just wants to keep to himself right, and build right. his Legos. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And paint his body and crawl around the ring as much as possible. <laughs> yeah, which is really cool and interesting because he it seems like he doesn't really like humans in his personal life. So I have a so question now. for all of you because for me, not being there live, I was figuring, you know, I could just watch it in the comfort of my own home in my underwear, you know, not have to worry about paying for concessions or anything like that. And then I completely forgot that Jushin Thunder Liger was going to be there, and I, in, like, instantly became jealous that all of you were there and I was in, at home in my underwear. <laughs> <laughs> he's, got so really was that? Stump, he's got really stumpy legs. Yeah, and a bit of a gut. Yeah, for a 50-year-old, he could fly, though. Yeah. I thought they had a good match. I don't know how it came off on TV, 
because I thought Tyler Breeze did a lot of cool stuff, but then it just seemed to end abruptly. But I'm yeah. not sure if it was because I just like forgot that the match was happening. I, I will say that they did tape a week's worth of NXT right before. So a lot of the crowd was kind of tired and confused after seeing the Statue of Liberty coming out. Right. <laughs> so um, so I don't know if like that's why I felt weird about the way the match ended or if it was just like a normal match and I just wasn't paying as much attention as I should have been. So the crowd wasn't that into it because I could tell you on, on the network side, it's, it seemed like they almost muted the crowd. Like I saw people moving, but I wasn't hearing a lot of stuff. So I guess you guys were just kind of worn out at that point. Yeah, the crowd wasn't very loud for that match. I mean, I d dislike very much Tyler Breeze. <laughs> he like really hates I just And I don't know why I dislike this man so much. You don't think he's gorgeous? No, he's he's annoying. That selfie stick is stupid. <laughs> so you weren't taking part of the Tyler's gorgeous chant? No, I was not. I was the no, he's not. Part. <laughs> I'm actually disappointed to hear it. You guys aren't big fans of Prince Pretty. <laughs> I'm actually a fan of Prince Pretty. I like Tyler Breeze's character a lot, actually. Why? That's but, refreshing to hear. Yeah. Well, the, the thing about that match that I think... Um, they did wrong was that they really should have tried to just sort of try to continue something with Tyler Breeze's story because I feel like after that what are they going to do with him? You know it's just like I feel like maybe he could have I don't I don't know like he should have won and then he could have just gone on to like the other NXT saying like you know I beat Jujin Thunder Liger and all of this stuff like he has nothing now kind of yeah, I agree, because it's kind of weird, because I don't know if Liger's even coming back. So he just came in, he won, and then now he's gone, and where does that leave Breeze? And uh, I really do want to see them do a little bit more with the King of Cuteville, so... <laughs> yeah, so that that match didn't really do much for me. I mean, like, I I know a lot of people were excited to see um, Jujin Thunder Liger there, but it didn't really do anything for me. Yeah, I, I want to re-watch it. I want to watch it like the live version or the not the live version the the network version just to see if if it lost a lot of momentum during the match like I felt it did or if it was just you know being in the crowd and everyone was already excited and we had to be quiet before for when Triple H wanted to introduce everyone so oh, that yeah. really worked out real well yeah. we should oh, talk about that that was I don't know how I don't know if that was cool in the moment, but that looked like the dumbest thing of all time. Well, well, the, the funny thing the funny thing was that he came out and he came out like about five minutes before they were gonna do that, and he was like telling the whole thing about how he wants to like make this moment really big and he's got this cool idea and he's gonna dim the lights and do all that, and. You know, first of all, you don't give New York City instructions to do anything because they're not going to listen, nor are they going to understand what to do. So when he tells 15,000 New Yorkers to be quiet, of course, all you're going to get is people yelling and screaming the whole time. Right, right, which is exactly what happened. And what I love, though, is he did a teacher thing. The, the teacher thing he did was like, you know, everyone told me that it's a bad idea, but I believe in you guys, and I know that you guys can do this. I was like, oh shit, that's like right out of like a teacher handbook. Like, oh, these teachers don't think you can do it, but I know you can. 
search today isn't the type of motivational bullshit you're going to start up in the next couple of weeks when classes <laughs> resume. Well, it never worked, so I just scrapped it all together. Yeah, it obviously didn't work because I thought that was stupid because nobody's actually going to be quiet for this thing. Right, exactly. I was, I'm going to tell you this. I was actually livid that people were actually – there was this one guy fucking behind me. I wanted oh, to punch God. him in the face. He was so annoying. People were yelling out Donald Trump, all these different things. I'm like, why? <laughs> no Hulk Hogan chant, though. I'm surprised. Oh, shoot. That's right. Yeah. He's a racist, so. Yeah. And Donald Trump isn't? <laughs> <laughs> Good point. Well, I'll tell you, at least the, the way the match came off on my end, you know, it's the first match that I saw of the night, and it had the, the feel of, like, an opening match for a card where, you know, kind of got you into the mood, you know. I thought it was a decent showcase to, to start off the special, and, uh, you know, it, it didn't come off flat, at least, on the network side of things. It just seemed like kind of the, the textbook opening match. I think the wrong person won, but other than that, I thought it was pretty decent. Yeah. So... All right, the tag title match, Vaude Villains versus Blake and Murphy. Um, the crowd was... They already knew Blue Pants was going to come out, and I think that it all clicked for everyone when Blake and Murphy were in the ring with Alexa Bliss, and then like you look at the Vaude Villains, and they were wearing blue pants. Yeah. <laughs> so right yeah. before they even said anything, the crowd was already chanting for Blue Pants. I think my favorite was Tatiana's reaction, though, when the her entrance music came on. She's like, wait, what? What is this? <laughs> <laughs> who, yeah. Why are there blue pants on the... On the <laughs> what is this? <laughs> and why is a human being being called blue pants? Yeah. And everyone was excited? Yeah, I... I, I will say this. I think the blue on the VOD villains is actually a, a, a nice color change. I think it works really well with them. I don't know with why I take them more... With their pasty white skin. Yeah, I know. <laughs> God. But I don't know why I feel like it, it makes them look more legitimate. I don't know. Maybe it's just in my head. But, um, but yeah. I don't know. I thought, I thought the match was pretty good. I thought it was good. For I someone who like... doesn't know a ton about background stuff, I thought it was good. It kept me entertained the whole time. Yeah, I felt like it's probably the most underrated match out of the card because I thought that it was a very good tag match and I think that they had really good chemistry and they kept the the crowd into it except for Blue Pants who was a very bad valet or manager in that instance. But I thought that they, they did very well for what they were doing. I just think that it got buried under you know a couple of really good matches on the card as well. I think that it would have stood out under a normal card. Yeah, for me, I... It's weird with the vaudevillains. I like the idea of them, but I don't like them as much as I think I want to. And I think it's partially because I really wanted Enzo and Big Cass to be the ones to win the tag team titles, and I was shocked that they didn't at uh, the last special. And then I also think if they had a better tag team finishing move, I could get into it a little bit more because it's just kind of a weird. It's just like a European uppercut to the back of the head and a neck breaker, and it's like, oh, that's it. I don't know, but I feel like Simon Gotch really gets him like in the back. Yeah, it's a solid shot, but I mean, as a finish, I'd like to see a little bit, like, maybe if it was something other than, like, a neck breaker to follow it up. Yeah. But if only, yeah. if, like I said, for for what it was, you know, it should have been Enzo and Big Cass, but, you know, I guess I'll take it with the Vaude Villains. 
Now, yeah. how weird? Now, how was that entrance live? Because you know, I was watching that at home with Tiffany, and it looks cool, kind of on the network. And then it's funny because then when I went to college, she's like, "Oh, now this kind of sucks." So we didn't actually. What was interesting is anytime anyone um, did an entrance, we thought that we would see what the cameras were showing on the network, on like the Titantron, like above the ring. But all we saw was just whatever played in the for their entrance. Does uh, that make okay. sense what I'm so, saying? Yeah, like yeah. their their Titantron video would play. Right, right. So, so we you didn't, didn't get an actual camera feed of what was happening. Right, right. right. Uh, and then okay. where we were sitting, we couldn't actually see them. We could only see from a certain point for, of their entrance. We couldn't see when they first entered. We could only see after they started walking a bit. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so it was unfortunate because we couldn't see the whole Vaudevillains act where it goes black and white and, like, it's, you know, stop motion almost. Yeah. But, um, so it made their entrance look kind of boring. And then, uh, same with Blake and Murphy where there was no, you know, like, weird, like, trippy cuts and strobe lights and all that other stuff. Like, it just looked like a bland tag team entrance again. So it's it's a lot more show for the TV cameras than it is for the people on, in the yeah. arena. Yeah. Gotcha. So then uh, we can talk briefly Apollo Cruz and Ty Dillinger. Uh, Ty Dillinger, I wish his perfect ten gimmick would get over a lot more, and people Holy would be more interested shit. in it. I have I'm a couple weeks behind on NXT, so I've only read about the perfect ten gimmick, and I saw them like this is fucking cash money. I thought that was phenomenal, and I was really yeah. disappointed. I didn't realize that he was fighting Apollo Crews, and I'm like, oh, cool, he's actually going to get like a, a win or something, and then I saw Minnie Lashley come out. I'm like, yeah, this ain't it. <laughs> the, guy, the guy is really... I'm really surprised, though, at how well Crews could move. Yeah, he's yeah, very athletic for Minnie Bobby Lashley. One thing that I want to share, since you guys, I don't think, you know, probably caught up caught this on being there live, but they kind of did the weird, like, John Cena, I call it the Wonder Years camera, where it's almost like you could hear his inner dialogue happening in his head. <laughs> so they did that with, with uh, Apollo Crews, and he's like, wow, here I am in Brooklyn. <laughs> <laughs> like, it came off super, super lame. Like, I think they were trying to play it off, like, you know, he felt like he made it to the big time, but it just, it was very Wonder Years for me. It's like, well, here I am in Brooklyn, and I'm about to have my first match with NXT. Uh, no, we, we definitely didn't get that feel. Yeah. It just seemed like a regular jobber match. Yeah, but I'm going to say, like, I'm not impressed by Ty Dillinger's 10. Are yeah. you insane? I don't know. either. Yeah, thank you. Like, I just, I think it's kind of stupid. Like, he jumps around the ring, like, flashing his hands like he's, like, a little, like, a jazz dancer or something. Like a jazz no, he's dancer. He's saying he's a 10 out of 10. He's a perfect 10. No, I, I, I understand why he's flashing his hands. I get it. But I just, I don't know. I, it just doesn't do anything for me. You don't understand. You could print money with his face on it. That's how good this gimmick is. <laughs> I feel to me it reminds me too much. I think Mr. Perfect is that the guy who's like perfect at everything? Yes, yeah. yes, exactly. That, that's what it reminds me of. So for it seems to me like it's not something new. That's why I don't like it that much because yeah, it reminds me t- of that. He, you saw his haircut. He has the ten on the back of his head. No, oh, I didn't see that. Yeah, yeah oh, he's got the ten. He has the ten shaved on the back of his head. I'm like, see, this is cash money. That's you know dedication. The screen was off for that match. We couldn't see. Because we saw something was different with his hair, but the Titan Tron wasn't on 
at all during that match. Oh, that's disappointing. Yeah, so we didn't see that for a lot of stuff. Play. Yeah, I saw you trying to look at the screen most of the time. I kept it, yelling at you. I know. Yeah, I, I, know. <laughs> I didn't want to look at the screen. I wanted to look because we had pretty good seats. We had really good seats where we can see it perfectly fine. We didn't. But, but it's just, it was habit. Yeah, that and it wasn't because we were on like the camera set. They weren't facing us that much, so I wanted to see their faces, and then I would get stuck on the Titan Tron and forget to look at <laughs> yeah. So, so let's go into Joe and Corbin. Yeah, Joe and Corbin. I will say I actually liked this match a lot more than I should have. Um, just because I think that Baron Corbin actually looked like he can do something in the ring, which is a first in his entire career there. And I liked the the build-up video for them as well. It made it feel like you know, Samoa Joe is the one that they were looking for, and Baron Corbin is the one that they got. And Baron Corbin's like, I don't give a shit about all of your experience because I'm here and you're going to have to deal with it. So it was perfect for this type of crowd that is, you know, it's a New York crowd. It's a very smart crowd that would hate somebody that just gets handed an opportunity versus somebody like Joe who traveled the world to do what he is doing now. And I think that there were a lot of high points in the match for somebody like Corbin to actually shine. And I'm actually kind of upset that there wasn't either a bullshit finish here or that uh, Corbin ended up winning in some, you know, like, heelish manner. I think he was kind of protected, though, because he didn't get enough offense and he did dominate enough with his cold, dead eyes. And then he kind of, you know, basically slipped into the choke. So, and, you know, they put the choke over pretty well as, you know, unescapable at this point, so, um, and I, I liked it just because for someone the size of Joe, it's kind of hard to watch him, like, get his ass kicked by some of these smaller guys, mm -hmm. so to have to go toe-to-toe -to -toe with, like, a fucking, you know, a, a demon from hell that actually made it seem much more of a competitive match. So that's interesting, because not having any commentary and not having somebody else tell me that story, it didn't feel like it was a challenge for Joe. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely not. Oh, the commentators told a good kind of, you know, we haven't seen Joe dominated like this, and then they flipped it the other way where we haven't seen Baron Corbin thrown around like this. So it kind of made it seem like, you know, two titans fighting. Um, you know, if they could have knocked out a couple of buildings along the way, that would have helped too, but... <laughs> We we were joking around while we were watching, saying that we should probably put the network on our cell phones so we can hear the the how they were calling the matches. Oh, that would have been interesting. Yeah. Any so, other thoughts on that match? <laughs> yeah, I was just gonna say, I, I for me, it's I mean, I honestly sometimes forgot that the match was happening. I think what happens with the live when you go to a live show, there's so many things going on. At the same time, aside from the match, you know, we had these crazy people behind us yelling oh all types of things. So I got distracted by that. Then I'm like, oh, yeah, there's a match going on right now, you know. So that one for me didn't keep my focus the entire time. Can we get on to Bailey and Sasha Banks? Because I yes, love the match. Yeah. <laughs> so Bailey and Sasha Banks, they had a match. What did you think? I thought it was amazing. It was so great. There's only two times I ever cried when watching NXT. It was when Sami Zayn won the title and when Bailey won the title. <laughs> I love it. Her, she was crying, and then when Sasha hugged her, 
at the end, she cried even more. <laughs> <laughs> I can say that for all this time that I've watched NXT, I have not cried once. <laughs> Listen, I just, I just love the whole idea of like you know passing the torch on and just how they're so supportive of one another. Like I just, I really like that type of story, you know. And I just think it's really, it's really awesome. I think that for the live crowd, we didn't need commentary. We didn't need anything. I think that they told it all in the ring. Yeah. And it, it was good to get the promo video right before that really set up everything. And then the match itself just played directly off of that video. And you felt you felt all of their emotions. You felt all the pain that they were in throughout the whole match. And just the intensity that they had the entire time. It's something that... You know, I haven't seen any women do in any matches like that, and most men don't do what they were able to do in that match. I literally got goosebumps as you were describing it. I'm not even kidding you. It was an awesome, awesome match. It was, I think, and I absolutely agree with this story. I like that they showed the, the video beforehand because the builds, I think they built up really well to this match, and then the match just it delivered everything you could have ever wanted. And then so many times during it, people were chanting, this, like, this is wrestling and this is awesome. Because it and, was. And one thing that I think that you both probably appreciated a lot more than I did was that, like, there was, you know, a bunch of idiots in the crowd. They were saying stupid things and, you know, they were acting like typical male wrestling fans and just talking about the women, like you know, typical male wrestling fans. And at the end of that match, all that conversa conversation stopped and they were talking about how great the match was. Yeah, yeah. And, and you heard them get won over on the whole match in itself and, and that actually women can do what they were able to do. Right. Def I mean, I just... It's like, you know, I just think about the matches that they have, like the Divas matches they have on Raw and things like that, and it's like, they are definitely getting better, I mean, because, you know, obviously Sasha Banks and Charlotte and Becky Lynch, they're now on there, there's a lot more they can do with the Divas um, section, but it's still something about the NXT women's matches that it's just, there's something captivating about it, you know, and uh, I don't know, I think this just proves that it's not, I was worried I'm just a little worried that it's going to end up going downhill because Sasha Banks, Charlotte, and Becky might be on the main roster like permanently instead of going back um, to NXT. But I think with Bailey getting the championship, I think they might still be okay. I also, I, my concern was that I felt that out of all of the, the women that have been consistently on NXT and now are getting called up to the main roster, that... Bailey felt like the weakest one out of all of them, and it had nothing to do with her build. It's just that I felt like she wouldn't be able to hold a match as well as you know Sasha or Charlotte or Becky, and I felt that she was able to do something that was even more, um, more intense and more different than any of the others were able to do. And I felt that her story was told much better than any of their others. So I think that there's a future for them. Um, and I think that, you know, even with all the other women getting called up, I think that Bailey can hold her ground. I just don't know if anyone else can get to her level either. So. Yeah, no, I definitely, I, 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 I agree with that. Yeah. So, well, Mike just rejoined because we lost him for a minute. 
and uh, we're still talking about Bailey and Sasha Banks. And oh, the funny thing is because my computer went to sleep during the uh, the Joe and uh, Corbin conversation, so. <laughs> it's funny. I was like, man, this guy, he talks all the time, and now he's not talking about the Sasha Banks and Bailey match. I was like, what an asshole. Like, this was like well, an amazing match, and he has not one word to say about it. Well, there's one thing I will disclose, which ended up uh, just was kind of shitty timing, was right as I was about to watch it was when my baby was going to go down to sleep. So the match was about to start. I paused it. I took him, like, you know, got him in his jammies and, you know, rocked him to sleep. And when I came down, I went to unpause, but for whatever reason, it went live, so I caught, the like, the very end of the match. Ah. So, like, it was kind of one of those things where it's like, okay, I can't wait to see this, and then I see the top rope inverted... Frankensteiner into the Bailey to Belly and she won. I'm like, there's no way that match was like two seconds. Yeah, I'm, I'm just as a refresher looking up this card on Wikipedia and I was surprised to find out that this match was only 18 minutes long because I felt like they went a full like 45 minutes and were able to do everything that they needed to do in like this long period of time and it wasn't that it felt boring, it felt like they were captivating for that entire time and I, I'm actually upset to see that it was only 20 minutes long. Yeah. Well, I don't know if you guys discussed this already, but uh, what I liked about it was just th there was a lot of layers of story being told, especially with Bailey's hand injury and such. And, uh, you know, having the, the commentators really get into it, it just kind of took it to that next level with getting really invested into the match. Oh, so it's... Yeah. I'm sorry, go ahead. What I was saying was that it was interesting and cool because I didn't think we needed commentary to get a story. Unlike the Baron Corbin-Samoa Joe match, this match needed absolutely no talking whatsoever, and you knew exactly what they were trying to tell in the ring, so they were able to do it without any sort of assistance at all. I'm going to start crying again. Oh, God. <laughs> why, why did you cry? Oh, you, you weren't... Oh, okay, so you didn't hear this part either. There was, well, I'll, I'll, uh, two times I cried. Sami Zayn getting the title and Bailey getting the title. I just like the idea of them. They had this, you know, good guy sort of character, and then it's just like I'm to the point where I'm just fed up. I'm frustrated. I'm gonna beat the shit out of you because I deserve this title. Well, I will say that I teared up too, but it was when the Perfect Ten Ty Dillinger came out. So. Oh come on! <laughs> you see, they should have. After that match, Ty Dillinger should have come out and just gave him a nine instead of a ten. <laughs> <laughs> that said that it was good. It just wasn't Ty Dillinger level. It was almost a perfect ten. Nine point five. Yeah. No, it was actually cool to see how emotional she got. You could tell Bailey being, you know, that's what I'm referencing. She was definitely in it in the moment. Um, I thought the little tribute to Dusty Rhodes was nice. I don't know if you guys noticed that. Yeah. Uh, she had the polka dot stuff, so that was kind of cool too. The part I didn't really care for was the whole uh, the whole four four horsewomen thing with them kind of hugging it out and all that, and like giving the fingers and, and whatnot. Just because I find it weird, kind of like the click. And Rob, I think you might understand what I'm saying with this, where they're not an actual group that's being portrayed on television. It's just like real life friends. So I find it weird that like I don't invest in these four. You know, as being close, even though they did reference it in the, you know, the build-up package. But the fact that they're all in different storylines, like, you know, it's one of these weird things where they try to portray a certain story like this is real, but then it's also like, oh, but the real stuff in the backstage is that they're all best friends. So I just thought that kind of, 
that that left a weird taste in my mouth where it's like I just watched, you know, Sasha attack her injured hand for about 20 minutes, and then now we're going to hug it out and be friends and flash the fingers. So. Yeah. Just stop breaking kayfabe. Just leave it. <laughs> All right. Well, you know, I didn't know we were working this one. I thought, you know, okay. But uh, just one thing I, I know, so we can go on to um, the Finn yeah. Balor and Owens match, but I know, Rob, that you noticed that Sasha Banks was crying yeah, that, before the match even started. Me. Yeah, as soon as the, the bell rang and the match was about to begin, Sasha Banks started crying. And I caught it immediately while I was watching it, and I'm like, all right, I know she's going to lose. And I knew that she wasn't crying that she was going to lose the belt. I knew that she was crying because she was happy that Bailey was going to get it. But it just bothered me because I feel like she can't hide her emotions when she's in a match. So she can do very well in telling a story and do, you know, putting on a great match, but she can't just keep her poker face on and keep to the story and keep to everything else that's going on and remove her, herself from everything else and you know keep it within the ring and that's it. So it actually kind of bothered me a bit that she couldn't just um, you know hide her emotions for that one moment. I think that'll come in time though, because she is only like 23 years old. So, yeah, I'm not, I'm not knocking her for, you know, I think that it's great that she feels so proud of everyone else and that she's proud of what she's accomplished in the ring. But I just wish that, you know, they coached her a little bit better as well to make sure that she's not doing something like that because you can't go from being the boss, Sasha Banks, to being the one that's crying in the ring when your friend's gonna beat you for the belt. Well, this perspective and, is good know, to hear because I, I think that explains why Ty Dillinger would only give it a nine. So I can't. Yeah. <laughs> but Mick, from watching it at home, did you did it seem like she was crying? Because I didn't get that. Like we rewatched re earlier today that part, mm -hmm. and watching it again, it seemed like it. But when I saw it for the first time, it didn't seem like she was crying. That she was just laughing and then went into the taunting her. It didn't stand out to me at all. Like I'd actually be curious now to watch it to see if I could catch it. But at least on my end, it didn't. You know, it wasn't anything noticeable. Maybe the camera panned out or something. But uh, it's nothing that kind of jumped out to me as strange. All right. All right. So I guess you're all calling me an asshole, but whatever. No. <laughs> it well, it's just enough. interesting to see like if other people caught that or if it if she, or if she played it off well. It just doesn't seem like you care about the Divas re Revolution, that's all. Okay, fine. All right, so we'll talk about the, the men's division now and the, the final main event of the night with Finn Balor and Kevin Owens in the latter yeah. match. I do have a question. So this is specifically for Shaday. Now, Shaday, <laughs> last week, or last podcast, we had talked about the Daniel Bryan book and you know how we supported his journey in Ring of Honor. And Matt brought up a fond memory that he has, and it's also one that I have, where you know Danielson comes out with the final countdown, and here you are, like basically jumping out of your seat with your finger pointing high in the air. So when I saw Finn Balor come out, all I had in my head was, okay, Shade's standing on top of her chair, and she's going to do that weird arm pose. and. <laughs> uh, yeah, that exactly happened, and Tatiana joined me, and I she did. even, like, moved over enough, so we had enough space to lift our arms <laughs> We had to prepare. You need so to this was, this was a, like a, a sisterly bonding moment where you give it each was, other enough room. Listen, it was amazing. I, I'm not going to forget that part at all because that's all I've been looking forward to. Anytime I watch NXT at home, I lift my arms up whenever Finn Balor comes out, and it's just me doing it and Robert just staring at me. 
Now, Rob, do you feel like there's a double standard because if it's something that you did, it would come off as like really dorky and lame, but because, you know, Shade is a woman, it just seems kind of cute and endearing. She yells at me all the time for New Day Rocks chants randomly, so... <laughs> so, yes, I feel, I feel slighted here. So I had a, a question for you guys, so jumping into the match. There was this one spot that happened towards the end where it looked... It looked bad. It looked like Kevin Owens got really hurt, and th this was the spot when he was on top of the ladder, and Balor knocked him off, and he ended up falling backwards into a ladder that was propped in between like the first and second rung of the ladder. How did that look live? Painful. Um, it looked... Um, I don't know. Everything, Every sort of bump like that, like with ladders, just makes me cringe inside, and everything seems like it's ten times worse than what it really was. So I feel like Rob should respond to this one. Yeah, I mean, it It actually, what's funny about it was when that bump happened, there was a, a chant or at least comments that were, that was safe, instead of it being like, this was going to be awesome. No, so it actually, it actually I, didn't come, like, oh God, in God. person, it didn't look as devastating as it might have on TV, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it didn't look devastating or that it hurt, because I bet it hurt like a motherfucker. Yeah, and you know me well enough. I actually got up out of my chair for that because it was like someone chucked a sack of potatoes off like the roof of their house and it hit a scaffold on the way down. <laughs> well, I think the one that hurt the most and it hurt my back just seeing it was when the ladder was like propped on its side and open and uh, Kevin Owens got backdropped into it. Oh, yeah, that was rough. And, like, I just felt it all on my back and my spine, my legs. Like, I felt everything just go numb in my body, so I can't imagine how Owens felt when that happened. And then he has a, a match tonight, too. Yeah, he yeah, definitely didn't fun. phone it in last night. No. And I, I uh, go, going back to entrances, I will say that Kevin Owens was the most intense I've seen him in a very long time during his entrance th throughout the entire match which I thought was refreshing because I felt like he's been missing that for for a long time. And the Finn Balor entrance was fucking awesome live yeah. because I I remember like as soon as his like the, the like the weird breathing started in his music, I'm looking and I'm like, "Oh, there's this there he is just on the floor and he's like breathing and like, you know, his whole body's moving up and down. He's crouched on the floor or whatever." And I see him pop up and I'm like, Oh, this is awesome. And then all of a sudden I see another Finn Balor come up. I'm like, what the fuck is happening? Because where we were, you had no idea that there was like a hologram version of Finn Balor. It almost looked like they were just like he was bouncing between the different areas and then just shows up. It looked incredible from where we are, and I haven't seen the, the WWE Network version of it either. So I can't imagine how that looked on TV. Well, for me, we not having any idea what was happening. I thought they had different people dress up as Balor, <laughs> popping Wait, up in the Wait, isn't that what happened? I thought that's what happened. No, oh, it wasn't holograms. What the fuck? What? My mind is blown. My mind is blown. Yeah. I thought it was like three different people pretending to be Finn. No, because they disappeared completely. And you don't see them, and then, like, I saw them setting up, and wait, uh, well, I'll talk about it in a second. So I saw them setting up, and they put these poles where he was, or, like, the three different areas where he was. Oh, you're right. And, um, and I was like, what the hell are those things? I thought it was just going to, like, blow smoke or something. 
to make his entrance cooler, but it was putting hologram versions of him there. Yeah, That's I'm gonna have to rewatch cool. this now because I really just thought it was you know two random schmucks who had his his paint on. Right. But I did, I did see those no, holes, looked... and I was like, "What are those things for?" And then I completely forgot about them until you just brought them up again. Yeah, we got to watch the WWE Network version now and just see what that that looked oh, like. Yeah. And but it's then also I worth... also wanted. No, sorry, it's also worth it to see because uh, Kevin Owens does the John Cena Wonder Years intro too, where he uh, <laughs> yeah he's talking to himself, but it was a lot more intense and a lot cooler than the Apollo Crews. Like, wow, here I am in Brooklyn. Right. The other thing that I wanted to mention that I completely forgot to mention was Bailey's entrance was fucking hilarious live because when she ca- when she came out and the you know the wacky inflatable arm flailing tool two is that men the techni- is that the technical name for it I don't know who knows when they were like when they popped up it was like you know cool whatever you see them popping up and then as soon as she left you just see all these guys just rush over and are frantically putting the the tube men back in and it was fucking hilarious because there was like about 12 people that just rushed the stage to do it and they did it in like two seconds but it was the most intense work I've ever seen anyone do as they were trying to put this thing away it was pretty entertaining yeah, it was really entertaining, and it was hilarious because, like, all of us were just staring at these people working instead of looking at our entrance. <laughs> yeah, because they came from nowhere. They just swarmed, stuffed these guys back in their, like, things, and then we- and then wheeled them away. <laughs> but, yeah, going back to the, the main event now, um, I thought the match was really good. I think that I know I was concerned because I felt like the show went longer than it should have. So, or like it was longer than planned. So I was like, "What are they gonna get? Like five minutes to do this match and this ladder match?" Um, I thought that they did a really good job doing a minimal ladder match where there wasn't, you know, forty ladders everywhere and they're like just running through all of them, breaking all of them. I think that they told the proper story in a ladder match, and that everything of like I think that they they did a really good job. I just kind of wish that Owens walked out with the belt. Only because every single face won the title, uh, won the matches throughout the night, and I was like, it'd be cool to at least have one heel win and to have the the NXT title on WWE programming again. But it seems like they just want to separate them, and this is a good way of getting Owens out of NXT completely. Yeah, I feel like they've kind of cut his legs out from under him though, because he had such great momentum, and now he's just like pretty much losing all the time. Yeah. And I will say that, you know, if you think for a lot of match, you know, card recaps, they like to think of your spot of the night. So I give my Ty Dillinger a perfect 10 spot of the night to uh, uh, Owens having the ladder propped up on Finn Balor running basically to the entrance, doing a full (laughs) spot and then stopping just to punch him in the face. (laughs) Oh, man. If I would have known this, I would have had something prepared. So um, by default, we're just going to say it's Ty Dillinger as your spot of the night. Yeah. Oh, so frustrating. <laughs> I'll just take it. Next person, go. All right, I'll take my Ty, Ty Dillinger spot. It was definitely when um, Sasha Banks had the bank statement on Bailey, and Bailey was reaching for the ropes, and, and Sasha just kept stomping on her hand. Oh, man. Oh, yeah. 
I thought that that was that was that moment where I knew that that was a special match and it was beyond anything that I've seen in a very long time. So very cool spot, great match. I think that it gets match of the night, probably match of the year so far. And um, I thought that that everything about it was uh, a nine point five in the Ty Dillinger scale. <laughs> so fucking ten. So Tatiana, do you have any? Uh, memorable moments that you can give a perfect 10 or rate it on the Ty Dillinger scale? Oh, man. Um, let me... Should they go first? No. They already, they already gave it, me one. Does it have to be... Well, because for me, this being my first um, like live wrestling event, it was... If, uh, Finn Balor's entrance was probably my favorite part. I mean, I enjoyed all the matches, but being able to participate in that, thinking that I wasn't going to participate, um, that was really exciting for me. And then for an actual match, I think the last two moves in the Bailey sasha Banks, I feel like the build-up to that was really good, and it was really exciting, and then I knew immediately, like, once she did those things, I don't know the technical names for them, but <laughs> <laughs> once she did those two moves, I was like, this is it, like, Bailey's going to win this, and she did. So this was the top rope inverted Frankensteiner, and then the Bailey to Bailey suplex. What you said. Yeah. <laughs> and I will say, Tatiana, you're pretty spoiled that this is your first wrestling show, like, it set the bar really high, so. <laughs> yeah, it did set it pretty high. Would you go to another awesome. one now? I would definitely go to another one, but I've got to. I feel like I've got to brush up on like my knowledge because I kept asking um, a ton of questions um, during the match. So that's okay. Well, I don't know. That made it more interesting for me to be able to talk to you about it. So. Word. Yeah. All right. All right. Good show. And um, yeah. Anything else? Anyone got any other? Passing comments about NXT, NXT TakeOver, and NXT TakeOver UK that nobody gave a shit about. And oh, yeah. Can we talk about that for a second? <laughs> Triple H was like, who here is from the UK? And some people cheered, and then everybody started booing. And he, he was pretty much like, no, you idiots. I didn't say boo the UK. I asked, who is from the UK? Now, did he say that after? Because I didn't catch that, that announcement when it happened that ended up, they like ended up replaying it later on in the show. Did that happen before or after the Full Sail Sucks chant? Uh, that was going on all night, yeah. so it's hard to tell. Okay. Yeah, but that was before he did the, like, dimming the lights and, and speaking into the camera, that thing. It happens okay. before that. Um, gotcha. Those were okay. the first things he talked about. Yeah, who cares about the UK? Yeah. <laughs> what that says to me is it's going to be another special that we're going to have to watch at the ass crack at dawn so we can do a podcast about it. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, but they should do this more often in, in New York. And next Definitely. time I hope you guys, uh, yeah. you know, I'll come in person Hopefully to pick up do. my ticket. Dum, 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 dum. <laughs> Ta-da-da-da! <laughs> 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 <laughs>